Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for your patience. We have a long history of weird technology issues every time we try to do an interview. So it was sort of inevitable that something would go ridiculously weirdly wrong. But but here we are. I think it's that the spoiler police have, have joined forces with Allie. I think so. Trying to prevent yes. any <laughs> excess news from getting out of the show. I, think <laughs> I would believe it. Clearly. <laughs> So how are you? Oh, good. I'm good. I'm I'm just hanging out in Vancouver. I've been enjoying watching the show every week because it's one thing to know, uh, like to have read the scripts, but I mean, it's different watching it, especially when you just see how it all comes together. And with Tree Adams with his compositions and oh, it's just so I love it. I love it all. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that second episode that you didn't that you weren't in at all, you know, so getting to kind of see. Yeah, uh, that's like totally fresh and new must be really cool yeah exactly especially something like that which was such a i mean it's such a a world building episode because everything yeah. that goes on underground is, is a completely different it, it, it's a, it's so different from from everything else in the show so far i mean yeah. it still has echoes up for sure like of of being up on the ark and everything that they were constrained to but they were building something new yeah i mean it's so, like a, it's a it's there's a continuum, but it's really cool to see it kind of metamorphosize, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been awesome. Yeah. We get to see the sci-fi really rear its head. It's, it's I know. Great. Yes, it's just so much fun, yeah. Are you a sci-fi fan yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that I have consumed as much sci-fi as I, like, I, I, I feel wary of saying I'm a sci-fi fan, because then Inevitably, someone's going to start asking me questions about sci-fi, and I'm not going to be able to answer them. But I <laughs> right, really enjoy the genre, what I have seen of it. I'm in the middle of watching Westworld right now. Oh, I'm, cool. uh, oh. I'm just, I really lo- I love Black Mirror. Like, I really like the uh, futuristic sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, really cool how it sort of takes ideas that are that are sort of relevant to our lives now, but then, like, twists them and makes you look at them in kind of a different frame you know like i think that's really a really cool thing about like i haven't seen westworld but i think that you know from what i understand it does that and i think the hundred does that and i like that kind and black mirror certainly does that and oh yeah that kind of sci-fi i mean it's terrifying too like i find say with black mirror i can only watch one episode at a time because Mm -hmm. you kind of got to decompress after that like it's really yeah (laughs) yeah you're like oh man we're all gonna look at where the world's going like we're all gonna uh end up in these terrible whatever like yeah. realities but we won't even know they're terrible yeah and I, you know what to be honest i would imagine say say if you were to go back 300 years ago and they were to see what the world looks like now as an episode of a black mirror show say for example they would think what a horrific future i can't believe that's where we're going and they won't even know it's terrible yeah um but yet for us it's just it's normal that's a really, good, that's a really depressing point. <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess that is a really it's, depressing thing. I took a, a class in college that was about, um, it was, it was a classical literature class, but it started with like ancient Greece and went all the way forward through like, um, you know, the evolution of Western civilization. And we ended by reading Philip K. Dick's Martian time slip and talking about science fiction and stuff. And the kind of theme of the class, like the structure of it was this idea that like every time period, um, 
looks back at a past time period as like the golden age or like things were better then. And so we, you know, start with some piece of literature that's about like how horrible things are now and they were so much better in the past. And then you jump forward and someone else is looking back at that time period and being like, oh, they had it so much better. And then it's kind of, it's kind of like devolution of like everyone like thinks where they are is terrible and, and that back in the past they had it all figured out. And it's just a sort of like, right. you know, kind of, it's just interesting sort of seeing how that's sort of a, continual thing that humans are always doing right it's where you actually are and where you actually were is irrelevant yeah the consistency is that you will always pretty much always look back on the past with romanticism Mm -hmm. and look at the present is sort of with a bit of a depressing view well that's like a midnight in paris Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, right it's it, it right up until the very end um oh so so it's i guess it's it's like a it's a pretty normal thing, I guess. We, I mean, we romanticize so much. Yeah, no, it's true. We romanticize people, exes. We romanticize, and until, you know, maybe you see them again, and they're like, oh, yeah, now I remember why that didn't work out. <laughs> we romanticize everything. Everything that is not in front of us is so easy to romanticize. And what is in front of us is so easy to look at and be like, meh. It's a lot harder to um, see things for the goodness. I think, unless you're practiced in it, I think you need to. We need to be practiced in it. Maybe for some people, it's easier than others. Um, yeah, but it's think, important think, to be aware of how, yeah. we, how we look. I mean, there's a danger too, and there's also a, a, a sort of advantage to it. I mean, I guess that's with everything. But I, you know, there's a. I remember reading something about something a while back called um, depressive realism, which is basically like this study that they did where people who are depressed are better at actually better at predicting outcomes accurately. Um, whereas people who are not tend to be overly optimistic. And it was just like a really fascinating thing to discover that like, you know, realism is, is dep- in some ways like depression is just, <laughs> is realistic. It's like way more realistic than having, than being like mentally healthy. <laughs> um, which I think says something about yeah. like the necessity of optimism and hope and being able to look at the bright side and believe that things will get better. You know, like that, that it may not be realistic, but it is somehow, psychologically necessary for continuing to press forward and and live and do things well because it's self-perpetuating in some ways too it's like sometimes it's it's you know by by having that optimism even if it's naive that a problem has a solution that can motivate you to find the solution like sometimes you have to like have that mindset to like create that reality yeah but that is interesting of course yeah yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get there, but you might find things along the way that are mm-hmm. uh, are you needed to get to. But but it's it's like that old saying of re- shoot for the stars and you but you might reach the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just like in order- I just saw. Oh, go ahead. Oh, so sorry, sorry. Continue. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> um, I just saw uh, Eckhart Tolle. He came through town, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he writes a lot of self help books mm-hmm. on. Um, just how to basically live in the world, how to, how to be in life. And, uh, he was talking a lot about, uh, like the suffering of life and how to basically endure it and how to find happiness. And, and, and he was bringing up that old, like life is suffering, but it's mm-hmm. not about avoiding the suffering. It's about understanding it, working through it and, and choosing how you, uh, how you allow it to affect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's always suffering. Of course, there's always suffering. You can't. And so, see, it's unavoidable. I mean, anyone who watched The Hundred, yeah, <laughs> it's all suffering. Which is probably why it's been so shocking at the beginning of this season to see people like smile. 
Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Was that weird as, you know, like playing Mori <laughs> and smiling that much in the first couple of episodes? Was it like, what am I doing with my face? <laughs> um, it, it was great. I mean, I smile quite a lot as a person. I'm a really <laughs> just, I'm just a big smiley person. Um, so it was fun <laughs> to be able to bring that into uh, Mori. Uh, it, it didn't feel like too much of a stretch. It just felt like. Yeah. Because it's it's a bit more of a stretch always playing such a defensive, um, suspicious, quick to anger, quick to judgment person. Because that's kind of a dark place to sit in. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. it was weird. I found like, I don't know if it, weird things happen with actors where your work and the character you're playing can bleed into your real life or what in between cut in action. Um, mm-hmm. So I found for the first at least half of the time I've been on the show, I was kind of just quiet around people and not that chatty and more like isolating myself a bit. And I feel like something of her mentality uh, was just sort of embodied in me in, a, in an unconscious way when I was on set. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, that started to, as you be able to like drop into a character and then drop out of a character more easily. Um, I was able to talk to people more, but it's funny because now, I mean, the way that she is, how she's changed, it's like that sort of, uh, reclusiveness has disappeared pretty much completely. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. So I, it's just interesting. It's interesting observing that stuff. A little bit more the yeah. real Louisa in this version of Amori in terms of her interaction yeah. with other characters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is fun to do. <laughs> was that so? So coming back to Maury, you know, the season after that big time jump, and and she really has changed a lot, you know, just in both in terms of the way that she relates to other people, and then and the skills she has. Um, was it a challenge to sort of find that Maury, or was there a sort of like was there like a, a through line for you from the? character that she had been you know when we first met her in season two and into season three and four to this Mori six years later yeah there was definitely a level of, of challenge there as I think there probably was for for everyone on the show because six, six years of uh evolution is a really really long time yeah so it's 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 like I was trying to find where she had gotten to without losing the things that made her so identifiable as a character mm-hmm. um because uh, you don't want to make her completely um, unidentifiable to the audience because sometimes it's like that's the stuff that engages you. And so that that is one thing I was I was worried about um, or at least maybe not worried, but I just was very aware of. I really wanted to make yeah. sure that she still seemed like Amori, that mm-hmm. she still was this person um, that had just evolved. And I feel like we all kind of hit a good. Yeah, no, like, I think you especially did watching that first episode and seeing us all together because i mean i think we shot that right at the very beginning of the of the episode even so it was so it was like the first day it was we were just sort of thrown right into it Mm um without having to we just kind of did it on the fly like get going and, and without sort of figuring it out yet but it all it worked great i thought i saw six years of history there i hope everybody else did too i definitely for sure yeah 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 and I think one fascinating thing about Imori to me, and you can you can sort of tell me how you feel about this, but it seemed from watching those first few episodes, you know, it was really fascinating because 
I, I saw kind of Amori return more to the old Amori in those moments of tension with Murphy. Yeah. Where you could sort of see, she likes, like there's, there's, you know, I, I sort of got the feeling that like Amori was a person who was defensive and sort of, um, standoffish earlier on because she had to be, you know, as a kind of like for survival and because she'd been rejected so many times, but that there was a kind of yearning for connection that she was able to sort of access and, and learn to trust up there. But it's funny, like in those moments of sort of tension with Murphy, you sort of saw the return of that, that old Amori who was sort of more like instantaneously, like, you know, back up mm-hmm. yeah. quick to anger, quick to like, she's quick with her words. She's yeah. She cuts. Yeah. I know it's so, and it's so sad that it's with John. Yeah. yeah. When he's the one that helped bring her out of all of that. It's mm-hmm. so sad. It's just, oh, it was so heartbreaking um, for me to, to see. I mean, it was amazing the way she's grown, but also so heartbreaking. Like, yeah, it's heartbreaking that the reason that she was able to grow that way is, is basically entirely because of John, because entirely, he, yeah. You know, <laughs> he saved her and got her on that ship and so forth. Um, but, and yet they've sort of, did you, did you and, um, Richard talk a lot about what happened to them in the interim? Like how they came to this point? Yeah, we were really trying to uh, piece it together pretty quickly because again, like, like I was saying how we, we kind of hit the ground running with that first episode. We had to have everything established. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we didn't have any scenes to show what had happened, we didn't know phys- like what it looked like, what had happened. We just, um, Jason gave us sort of a, the general, the trajectory of it. So we had to sort of talk and figure out why, how this made sense for, for the characters and the relationship and, and maybe it's such a difficult thing. I mean, you're talking about unpacking a long-term relationship, which I think we all have enough difficulty with in our own lives. Right, right. Yeah. Unpacking yeah. a relationship, figuring out why things work and why things right. don't. Like we'd all be in, I mean, we, it's, it's a difficult thing. It's difficult to figure out. So, and we were trying to do it pretty quick. Um, with the, Hello? Hello? Oh, yeah, I think we do- we lost you for a second. Okay. Yeah, I got a phone call, but it, it, it it's it's done now. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, that was, that was my, my thought. I mean, I, yeah, I, but I think there's also, because like you were saying, it is always really difficult, even, you know, even when you lived through a relationship, it can be really hard to know what happened in it. Mm-hmm. So there, on the, on the sort of flip side, I think there is a kind of, um, truth or reality to the kind of sense of nobody knows quite exactly what happens, but, but we know that something deteriorated and, and there's also a kind of truth to that sort of like when you're out, you know, when you, when you have been in a intimate relationship with somebody, um, and you break up and it's nasty, you know, like you do snap back into the person you were in that relationship in sometimes in its darkest moments later on, you know? So I think like even, even not as an audience, not knowing exactly what happened yet, you know, like watching that happen between them made a lot of sense. Like, um, (laughs) like you can still recognize that place that they're in. Yeah. And the pain is so fresh. 
Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, weirdly, like, so, so my parents are divorced and they split up before when I was really young. So I don't remember them together at all. Um, but I remember, like, I have a couple of vivid memories of when I was a kid, um, seeing them fight with each other and I'm watching them like become people I didn't recognize with each Mm. other. Um, you know, in this kind of like in the way that they talk to each other and the way that they sort of snap back into this really sort of nasty place. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a sort of element of that, that I, that I kind of recognized in, in Murphy and Amori, you know, where that, you know, they kind of looked to me like, ah, yep. Okay. Like they're in the middle of a fight that they kind of never stopped having. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's just so much pain and complications and resentment and, it's like when you don't know where one thing ends and the next begins, it's all just built up and woven into each other. And, and, and yeah. you can't, there's too much to, and, and I mean, there's still like the feeling there is so real. It's so oh, raw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're not neutral with each other. Yeah. They yeah. Are, It'd be easier they, if they were. <laughs> yeah. It'd be way easier. And the fact that like, it's no matter how they feel, it's, it's, it is, it's painful because it's a, it's a great feeling. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very powerful where their worlds are sort of rotating around each other. A single look can throw one of them off. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, like, that's the thing, you know, it's like you don't you can't feel that level of. They, they can't have that sort of level of, of, you know, vitriol if there isn't also a deep connection, you know, so they kind of they go together. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting how um, you're saying about. Uh, it's hard to see it when you're in it. And, uh, I think you were, I can't remember if you said it, sometimes someone from the outside of it can, um, mm-hmm. see it more clearly or you, you were alluding to that because that makes me, it was like that, that scene in episode three that aired just recently with Harper. Yeah. Uh, where at the very end of that, it was a really nice conversation. It was so nice for both of us to, uh, have that like beautiful little scene together. Cause yeah. really like had just, just something with us two. Um, and Chelsea and I are friends and we've known each other for years, even before the show. So that was Aww. really lovely. Yeah. We, uh, from Vancouver here. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, uh, because it's, she was like, she was just playing that role of the friend who, who really can maybe see it a little more clearly than Amori can. Mm-hmm. And then John Murphy can. And, and you know, the, how there's hesitation sometimes to give advice about someone else's relationship, but, uh, but you want what's what's good for them and sometimes saying how you see your perspective, her outside perspective. She's obviously feeling that would be helpful. So I just thought that yeah. was, that was nice because I think Amori and John Murphy are so deep in it. They can't see yeah. the floors. Well, oh, for sure. And they've all been they in close see. quarters for so long too, that it's like everybody probably watched this whole thing go down, you know, like everyone oh, that was yeah. on the arc has, <laughs> has thoughts about this breakup. <laughs> oh, more than <laughs> They're all talking about it all the time without him. Yeah. <laughs> It's or it's like the uns. It's either they talk about it all the time, or it's just the un. They all just yeah. know. It's yeah. they don't even say anything. Like <laughs> yeah, you know when you're the the insular family, like the yeah. like when you're just when you're the group of people that knows everything about everyone. You know you know how people are gonna react before they react. Like yeah, it's, mm-hmm. they just know each other so well. Six years yeah. in a closed space, like where you're all depending on everyone else and have and spending every single meal time together basically like or every day is together mm-hmm. it's a long time that's a long time <laughs> i kind of don't blame john for being like i'm gonna go 
on the other side of the ship for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like, I need a break. This yeah. is, you know, I just kind of want to be alone and in peace for a minute here. Yeah. I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him. This drama. It was, no. it was so interesting to me though, that, um, in the, in the last episode when we heard, uh, you know, we heard Amori saying that like one of the, you know, the reasons that sort of whatever, whatever kind of, ongoing problems they might have had over the past six years that kind of one of the definitive, you know, make or break moments was that he wasn't doing enough to like help the rest of the family. And, and just that, that shift in her is so sort of, I thought emotionally and psychologically interesting just because she's been such a loner for such a long time. And that over the course of these six years of everyone being together, like that she has, become so central to this family unit and so they've become so important to her that like that him not putting in enough work to be like a contributing member of the community would be something where she's like, Nope, that's a deal breaker. Like that, just that evolution to me, that's such an efficient way of shorthanding over the past six years, like the growth of her relationship with Raven and with Bellamy, you know, the sort of like space girl squad that has now formed, like how, how close that they've all grown. And so just like that, you know, the jump from the Amori that we meet in the desert, who has had like no one except her brother, her entire life to that, I just found like the evolution was just really interesting to me. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's, it sort of reflects just in life, how all evolution of us as a person, all, especially good evolution, bad evolution, whatever it is, always comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. There, if you, you say, say you're working on something in yourself and you, it starts getting better. Maybe you're handling something better. Suddenly now you see things a bit differently and you might, the people that are around you on the regular, you might not want to be around them as much anymore. And there mm-hmm. might be other people now that you feel more of an affinity towards. And I mean, that can be a very, very painful thing because yeah. you don't necessarily want to lose these people, but you can't help when your feelings change. And it's, it's sad. It's sad, but it's, it's honest. It's what happens. And, um, and it's not to say that there isn't ever a route back to these friends or to anyone that you might, you know, lose in your life or, but, but things, people do change and there's, there is a cost to it. Not that, that evolution is to be avoided, but, but there is always a cost. I think the other and, and John sad, Murphy has been that cost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. The, the, the sad and sort of, but I think also very, you know, like something that I've definitely experienced or seen in my own life with John too, is that the other thing about evolving is that, the people, some, sometimes the people in your life, they aren't always happy to watch you grow, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, you know, for certain people, particularly if they're at a place where they're not able or ready or willing to, to make those kinds of evolution, that kind of evolution with you, um, you know, often it can cause a lot of anger and jealousy and resentment. And it seems like it kind of feels to me like something like that happened with Murphy. Um, I think that's that that probably was in there too. I don't want to say too much on his part because that's more like his character, his deep character stuff. But like yeah. I, I agree. I mean, psychologically, that makes perfect sense. In life, it's it can be really difficult for people because it just shines the spotlight on you in the ways that mm-hmm. maybe you're not doing enough or not being good enough, and people don't like feeling like they're not good enough or they're yeah. not doing enough or they're not uh, motivated enough or, or whatever it is. 
yeah. whatever it is in life, it can be really difficult. I mean, you see, it's so sad, but you see relationships break up when, when one partner has a lot of success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so sad, but, but because of the difficulty, because of the way people feel because of it. So I don't know what the answer is to any of that, but it's, it's, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, you know, and I think not that this is necessarily like a, a, a textual factor in for Raven or excuse me, for Murphy and Amori, but, um, but I think you just, you know, in real life, you see that a lot to, I think a lot more when women, you know, start having more success than their male partners. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like a, that's a very real thing. Like some, some people just struggle a lot when, their partner starts to, you know, be particularly successful and skilled and have more recognition from other people. Like it's kind yeah, of yeah, definitely. disturbing, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it can, yeah. And it, it can absolutely go either way, especially yeah. nowadays. Um, like, I mean, growing up, I never really felt like there was anything I couldn't do. I just, my, my parents totally instilled in me this mentality of, of what you want to do. You can do it. There's no, mm -hmm. Maybe. Uh, so I, I don't think I ever really felt like maybe there were things I, I couldn't do. I just had to basically figure out what I wanted to do. Um, which I'm very, very fortunate that that was sort of what they instilled in my mind. So, and I think a lot of, uh, a lot of women, a lot of young girls are, we're being raised this way mm -hmm. to have this mentality. So we feel just as competitive and have just like the, the demands that we are putting on ourselves are just as high. And I, I think that that young women can struggle too, being with a mm. successful partner, depending mm. on your level of competitiveness. Um, mm -hmm. But definitely, I mean, this is like, like a, we're talking about a huge issue. The gender roles are changing and, and it's becoming more individual depending on the relationship, like uh, the way it is defined as opposed to over, I think a cultural spectrum. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. really know. Like, I don't think I have an, enough information to say anything definite but it's just things are shifting and 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 because of that there's a lot of struggle for everyone across the board but at the end yeah. of the day we're all we're all aiming for the same thing we want to have um fulfilling lives and great relationships and uh challenge and happiness and and like that's where we're trying to get to i think for most people so the road is probably not going to be smooth but yeah um, <laughs> Well, and, life. <laughs> and you know, and one, one thing I think is, um, something that really struck me sort of along similar lines to that about what I liked about the, the dynamic of the sort of, you know, the, the breakup between these two characters and the way, you know, it's being handled so sensitively and thoughtfully. Um, you know, I think an, a piece of the message that feels really important to me is this idea that like, you know, and I, and I think this is sort of, tangentially I think related to what we're talking about because it's something that seems like it it's a struggle that women tend to kind of face more um more often is the idea like you can love somebody like so much and like and you you can't fix them or save them you know like like you can't yeah like people people can only change themselves like you can't love somebody into wholeness you know you can't you can't fix their problems for them or um make them happy just by loving them and being with them. And so I think, you know, this idea that like, as much as Amori loves John, which she clearly does, and as much as he clearly loves her, because that's why the pain is so raw, you know, the idea that she had to hit a point where she could no longer keep trying to like, drag him kicking and screaming into being, you know, a, 
happy and contributing and content member of the group that she had to kind of cut ties and live her own life. Like, I think that's really important. And that doesn't mean, like you said, there's no way for them to circle back to finding a new way to be together with this sort of new, much more grounded version of her that has all these other relationships too. But he's going to have to kind of come and like meet her there in a way, you know, which I think is really cool. Like it's, it's really empowering to see that she had, like it's a really hard and painful choice, but I think that there is this kind of, mentality and media reinforces it a lot, which is why it was really nice to like not see that played out here that like, you know, like the damaged men can be healed by like the love of a really strong woman, you know? And I like that here. It was like, Nope, like I'm like, I need to go do my thing and I can't be with you when you're like this and like fix your shit and then we'll talk, you know, which I love, which I think is really important and it doesn't diminish the love at all. It just means like she has to live her life now. It's so true. We're so saturated with the idea of like wanting a, a project like. Yeah. I mean, like, look at I mean, I feel like Fifty Shades of Grey and mm-hmm. Twilight mm-hmm. and like yep. all these. It's all these sort of very powerful, very tortured men and these women who sort of love and get them into healing. Uh, maybe that's a really simplistic way of looking at it. And I, I, I'd have to, I don't know if I can break it down. Yeah, so simply, but <laughs> but definitely we're we are sort of bombarded with this idea that um that that's something doable. Um, not that it's not. I'm just, but but there's not the only way to do things. Mm-hmm. Well, the like, person when, has yeah. to want to change. Yeah, people have to want. Of course, they exactly all of that. They have to want to change. I mean, they, that's the thing about say addicts all the time is mm-hmm. is someone will never stop with an addiction unless they want to. You cannot. Yeah force them you can there's nothing you can do unless they want it and it's the same with uh with really i think any significant change in in your life like you have to you have to want it because at the end of the day it's 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 you and it's your life obviously then once you want it when you have if you have support or people who love you that's amazing now and off you go but yeah yeah you want it it's you know and i think the other piece of it too is that you know the is that it's important to remember that loving someone and having your own bound, you know, sort of like emotional and life boundaries that you need to honor are not mutually exclusive. You know, like love doesn't mean not having boundaries. Right. You love someone and say like, I cannot like, this is, I, you know, this is a line I won't cross or won't let you cross. Um, and those two things are, are, you know, like part of loving someone is, not compromising yourself. Right. Um, that, that challenge. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the challenge is something that sometimes that's what brings a good relationship because mm-hmm. you're willing to, to put your foot down with the other person. They're willing to put their foot down with you and call yeah. you out when things are not okay. Yeah. And that, you know, people get better and that's how you have a, a real relationship. I think, Whoa, this is, it feels like, <laughs> We get deep here on Meta Station. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like we're like we're really bonding here. <laughs> so um you had mentioned that you know that your parents always supported you, like you know, told you you could do whatever you wanted to do. And um so I'm just curious, how did you wind up deciding that acting was the thing that you wanted? 
to pursue and get um, into? I, uh, I, I did it in, I mean, in elementary school to whatever we were, we had available. And then my high school had a very, um, great drama program and choir program. And we had a show choir, which is what we called it. I mean, like, or glee club. Yeah. You know, yeah. My high school so had, had a show choir too. <laughs> were you in it? I was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so it fun. It's like, it's hard to explain to people the, the, the happy feeling that you get performing show choir. Cause it's not really like anything else. There's it's something really not. That, yeah. Musical theater is, People don't get it if they're not in it. It's just maybe if you're an athlete, um, there's a kind of joyful focus that that they might get on the pitch. I don't know. I I, I'm, I, I've I never was both. Very... I was a swimmer oh, okay. and I was also show choir, but I felt like and maybe well, this might be because it was because of the nature of the sport, because it was swimming. So, A, it's not a team sport and B, like practice, you spend the entire time with your face immersed in water yeah, for first. Like, like, there's not a lot of back and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if that's really a good comparison. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I have, I have almost nothing to contribute on the athletic side, except, I mean, I, tra- I did track when I was in school, in elementary school, and I found that absolutely terrifying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did tennis when I was in grade 12 and I got most improved player oh, because I didn't be able to hit the ball to mostly getting it in the right side of the court. So You're still better than I am at tennis. <laughs> tennis is a lot harder than, than people think. If they've never oh played. my God, it's so hard. It's, it's crazy hard. Um, but yeah, so I, so I had a, I had a wonderful time, um, here in Vancouver at my high school and I did everything I could possibly do performing. And, and I think by that time I had pretty much decided I wanted to act. Um, but I definitely got, uh, a gentle suggestion from my dad that maybe the sciences or there might be something that might be a little bit better for me <laughs> uh, that would be more reliable. And he's not wrong. It is definitely more reliable to go into a different career other than acting. And when, when I said before, like that, I was, I believed I could do anything that definitely brought me to that conviction. They didn't necessarily think I should do anything that <laughs> yes, yes. I, do, I wanted to do, but so, so I ended up doing two years, actually. I did a year of science my first year, which I did biochem, calculus, all that, and the labs and everything. And, and then I did, uh, after that, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I enjoy this because I always did like science and I still do, but I was like, I don't know if I want to, I just don't know if this is right for me. This is the luxury of having time and, and living yes. in Canada and, oh gosh, you know, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to change my mind, baby, and try something else. It's such an incredible <laughs> luxury that we have. Find your passion. What are you passionate about? Not, not a lot of people do not have that option at all. Oh, yeah, so I just sure. want to acknowledge how great of a privilege that is for a, everyone who is able to go to post-secondary. It is a massive privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a year of, of arts after that. I tried international relations. I did um, English. I learned some Spanish. I, uh, I can't even remember what other stuff I did. And then I was like, ah, yeah, I don't know. Um, and it was coming up to the time to choose my courses for the next year. And I thought I got to, you know what? I got to give acting a try. I got to just, I have to try it. Mm-hmm. Cause if I don't, 
I'll regret it one day maybe. So I found a, luckily my school had an one year acting program. So I got, I signed up for that and I, I got accepted and, and after pretty much, I feel like maybe a month, I was pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. This is, I like this. This is what I want. This is, this is sad. In my very privileged life, I'm, this is the thing that I feel passionate about and I <laughs> go for. And I've had, I've been very fortunate. I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've had and for having such supportive parents. Did you continue to do more acting training or did you kind of just transition from there into, I mean, like being an, you know, growing up in Vancouver, obviously you were also very lucky in that, like you were in a place where there was a lot yes. of acting opportunities I didn't have, just like right yeah. there. I didn't have to relocate, luckily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like Toronto and Vancouver, the two major hubs, but there's still work in Calgary. There's still work in, uh, I mean, if you do theater, there's tons in Winnipeg, Montreal's mm. got stuff going on. And, and there's, of course, I'm sure there's places as well that I'm not thinking of, but as far as the major like film and TV hubs, it's Toronto and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely like a net. So yay, you figured out what you wanted to do. You've got training. You're at a good age. Now let's, somehow make this happen (laughs) (laughs) the journey it's so difficult it's so difficult um to get work uh it's just not an easy career and there's a lot of ups and downs it's you have to be able to weather the storms and weather criticism really Mm -hmm. well and if you're not good at it you have to get good at it Mm -hmm. otherwise it will just eat you away um because it's, it can be really, really painful at times, especially if there's something that you really, really want to do, like a, like a project that you really want and, and you don't get it or you get an opportunity and, and they're not just not that interested. You know, you're not, maybe just not quite what they're looking for or, or whatnot. Yeah. So it's, but it's fine. It's all part of the, um, it's just all part of the journey. It makes when things work out really well, that much sweeter. Yeah. You know, when you've gone through those periods of, you know, like of, of rejection or feeling that kind of struggle, what's your like, like positive self-talk? What's your kind of like, how do you, how do you work through that kind of for yourself each time? Uh, I always tell myself, and this is, uh, always worked and it's, I don't know where this mentality came from, but it's served me really well. It's in, right now in, in this moment of not getting whatever this thing is that I really wanted or this lull where stuff just isn't happening. It feels like maybe, you know, it's all coming to an end or this trajectory I'm on is finishing or whatever, whatever the feeling is, but that's just this moment. And if I were, if I take a couple steps back and I look at my career over a year, over three years, over five years, say it's the consistent thing with most actors is that the trajectory is upward. Mm -hmm. So you just, you just have to take a step back out of the momentary highs and lows and you see that it's going in the right direction like mm-hmm. you're it's all going to be okay like whatever these feelings these intense feelings are right now it's um it's just it's just for the moment because you don't have the perspective that a couple years from now you will have a couple years from now looking back on this moment you'll either a have completely i'll have forgotten about this moment because it won't even matter anymore or i'll see it and be like oh i had no idea back then that <laughs> blah, 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 was around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it's a good thing I didn't get that because then I was available for this other thing mm-hmm. or being in that yeah. bad place pushed me to go for this opportunity, for these classes or whatever. Um, you just never know. There's so much that you just don't know. We think we know, but I mean, I've had lots of experiences where 
it really was a good thing that I didn't get a certain role because if I had gotten that, there's no way I would have gotten this other thing. And this other thing was the thing that has been, say, amazing for my career. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's such a I mean, to to say, like, I know that this role is going to be the thing. There's kind of an, an arrogance in that. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. How do we know? Yeah, unless you're, I mean, unless like fortune telling or, or psychic stuff is real and uh, maybe they know. know. There's a reason why there's so many psychics in LA because (laughs) everyone is just swimming in uncertainty all the time. time. Desperate for someone to say, just tell me, tell me. Um, Well, there's a great story of uh, Jim Carrey, how he he went to a psychic and the psychic told him you're going to have, I can't remember the exact, what she said, but it was something about like, you're going to have three hit movies in the next three years and you're going to be at like the top of whatever. And the next three that came out were uh, Dumb and Dumber, Liar, Liar and Ace Ventura. Oh, wow. That, that was it for him. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So not to say it doesn't happen. I mean, unless it's a completely made up story, but it's, if it's real, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> the psychic was probably like, man, I said that to every single actor who came in and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> for one. You just keep saying the same thing. Eventually it will become true. But she probably right. had lines around the block after that. It was like, oh, that's yeah. the psychic. Like, she probably, it was yeah. very good for her business. <laughs> you know, it's like the same thing with, say, auditions. Or if you just keep hammering mm-hmm. away at them and, and one's going to be the right one. Yeah. Yep. yeah. You just got to think of it as like, you're like a, you're like a dish on a menu. And not everyone... <laughs> that dish and that's nothing against the dish it just means they don't want that dish but maybe this other person that's your their favorite dish so if you really kind of like humble yourself to that kind of level then things aren't Mm -hmm. personal you just sort of do what you want with the work I think that's such an important way to like you know remind yourself that it's more important for you to you know like and I think this is sort of the journey that like every creative person has to figure out for themselves like there's there's the work that you do and like who you are and the work that comes from that place of like deep authenticity and then there's like selling that work which means like some people will like it and some people won't but like it's still your job is still just to like be yourself and to like create the artistry that you create and then yeah and then some people will say yes and some people will say no but you can't like shape what you're doing around getting them to say yes Right. No, yeah. exactly. Because then you start compromising. You start compromising everything. Because mm-hmm. what you're, it's yeah. your own, your own instinct that you're, that you're crafting and working from. So it's best to, if you use that as much as possible, then when people come along who are really interested in that, that's like the perfect merger. Did you feel when you auditioned for the hundred, like, did you sort of feel that, that click when you came in and read for Amori where you were sort of like, yes, I feel like I got this. Or was it kind of more like, um, like, we'll, you know, we'll see. <laughs> um, I felt like it was a, it was a, I was really happy with the audition. I was really happy with how it went as far as my work. Um, but they had seen me for uh, a bunch of other characters before that. Um, oh, and I hadn't gotten anything. Yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, you just, I didn't know, you don't know. You just know if they keep bringing you back that they probably like you. Mm-hmm. Um but you don't know the reasons why maybe you haven't been cast yet, but this one just Mm -hmm. clicked. It just all kind of worked out and I'm really, really glad it did. And um, Richard's awesome. Like the fact that I've been getting to work with him so Mm -hmm. much is, is fantastic. So I feel really, really fortunate in this role. 
Did you have any inkling that it was going to turn out to be? Because, like, in season two, it was really just a one episode. I know. It was a what off. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you have any inkling that they were going to bring you back? No, I don't even know if they had any inkling that they were going to bring me back. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Uh, who knows? Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Like, uh, it, there's always potential. I mean, this, the, the really cool thing about this show and, and Jason is, is they're so fluid. They're so mm-hmm. adaptable um, with their story. Uh, I think that's probably the, the benefit of having so many interesting, complex characters and um and, and also Jason is, is just so good at weaving all these stories in and out and, and holding all these storylines in his head at any one given time. Like, um, he's definitely using 100% of his brain power <laughs> crafting this show in his mind because, man, there's a lot to keep track of. Um, so, uh, I mean, it, I, at whatever point they decided I was coming back, that was a great day. For me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's been awesome. Yeah. They're like, hey, was, remember that one off? Well, now it's yeah. like a regular gig. <laughs> that's, the, that's the call that everyone is so happy about. Your agents are happy. You're happy. I'm sure they're yeah. happy. Everyone's yeah. happy. You don't even have to audition again. You're just like, I know. In. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Awesome. And now it's turned into, I mean, it's season five and I'm still kicking. So it's been yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> which is again on the hundred, not a guarantee that you not still be not a guarantee. <laughs> never a guarantee, never a guarantee. <laughs> One kind of craft question that I that I wanted to ask you that when we had Sachin on that um, that I asked him too that I always am really interested with anyone who got to play a chipped version of themselves in the City of Light is kind of like what what that process for you as an actor of like preparing that kind of alternate universe version of Amori was like, like, how did you prepare differently? How did you see, like, what are the, what are the sort of like traits and changes in her, both like when we see her in the city of light and, you know, her chip version outside of it, like who, who is that alternate Amori and how did you kind of, I guess, prepare as an actor differently when you were playing her in that state? With great confusion. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the thing is, so I think this is probably true of most of us who were, were chipped is be- we didn't necessarily have a guideline. I mean, it's different when, when as an audience, you're watching the show, you see the first person, you see Jaha chipped, and mm-hmm. then you see Otan chipped. And you see other people start to fall in line as they get chipped and as it progresses. But when we were shooting, like, we didn't necessarily see what other actors were doing with being chipped so yeah. we didn't always have we we talked to jason we talked to uh the one of the best resources on set was actually eric sarah who played oh Allie, yeah was, of course yeah. always around yeah she was always in the in the area where people were asking questions about what it was like to be chipped so she heard mm-hmm. all the discussion over and over again so she became like they just ask erica <laughs> erica yeah. will give you as much information <laughs> as, as is available <laughs> Oh, that's true. Yeah, because she's in the background for every time someone's a chip person, like yeah, Allie's there. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's always there. So, um, so she she was a very very helpful. It it was funny. It was like a, a matter of because the big thing was removing the suffering and pain from, mm-hmm. which is difficult for a character like uh, Amori because so much of who she is is suffering and pain, which was then also I guess really interesting seeing how she's evolved in season five because she still has so much of who she is just with with a lot less 
everyday suffering. But yeah, it, it was, it was strange taking out um, all of that and then still who, who is this person now? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just, everyone is on like the most extreme level of, of antidepressants and mood stabilizers. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Ecstasy yeah. or something. I don't, even I don't know. even, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was, it was fun though. It was, it was really fun to, to play around with that. I did love that they made the choice to have, you know, Maury, keep her um her hand in the city yeah. of light, you know that she that that wasn't oh, yeah. actually a source of her pain you know like that the the sort of physical aspects of her body wasn't this she didn't re- identify those as the source whatever her pain was it was yeah it was other things you know i thought that was really a nice moment oh 100 percent. i mean i think that's that's been one of the most um defining moments for a lot of people over this journey of of amori and seeing who she is as a person i remember because a lot of people have mentioned that to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very, uh, it's very telling of, of who she is inside. Um, that she, the, her, her issues with the way people treat her has not extended to the way that she feels about her, her physicality, which is yeah. really nice. Cause I mean, you can be really unhappy, say with maybe how the world treats you, but it doesn't mean that, that that needs to extend to then adopting a negative viewpoint of yourself. I think it was really, really yeah. important. I, at the time I didn't even realize, like I, I, I knew it was a big deal, but I didn't realize sort of the magnitude of it until it was, it was actually Isaiah Washington who pointed that out to me uh, on the day. Cause we were working together, me, him and Erica mm-hmm. that day. Uh, and he really emphasized, like, he's like, I know you, you know, this is a deal, but like, this is a, this is a deal. This is a big, <laughs> this is a big thing. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It, it was really, um, and that was a very specific choice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually, you know, interestingly, I think maybe that like might point towards a kind of core difference in her and John, you know, that kind of comes to a head in the time dump maybe because like for her, it was never, she never, obviously she never hated herself. Like she loved herself. Right. She just like was suspicious of other people because other people were a jerk to her because of yeah. things beyond her But there's control. no shame in the actual, yeah. like there's, there's no shame about the fact that like your body is different from other people's bodies. She doesn't feel like that's a problem. The problem is that other people, like you're sort of ostracized from society by other people because of that. But the, but the, the shame part of it's missing. And I think both in terms yeah. of like the sort of disability representation part of the story and also as a place where I think there is, like you said, like some core difference between her and, and John, I think that piece is really interesting. Yeah. So like as soon as yeah. she's in a sort of social context where people accept her, she can kind of, you know, like her self-love meets their love of her and everything's good. Whereas John seems to have more of that core of self-loathing that is, is yeah. kind of more ingrained, you know? So like he can't accept being accepted. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. His, his is based on the, the relationship he has with himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to the relationship he has with, with other people. Um, yeah. That's a tough one. That's a really, really tough one. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that, you know, if you, if, we all have our times, I think, of va- battling with that to some to some oh, extent. Sure. And yeah. Some people like more than others say. Um but 
accepting, yeah, accepting ourselves is a really, really can be a really difficult thing to do. Um, so I feel so bad for, for John Murphy's and so much. I know. Pain. <laughs> I'm so glad for him that he made that that choice. Uh, last episode. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Uh, yeah. Or two episodes back. I've said yeah. three. Sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <Hola>. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of those tough guys where it's like, I feel so bad for him, but I wouldn't necessarily want to be around him either. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. From a distance, <laughs> you can feel a great deal of pity. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, at all of us, for six years, this has been... Exactly. Like, <laughs> I know exactly how that went down. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of time. Yeah. I, I feel like the, it's so cool. Like their bonds are just so, uh, so strong now. Yeah. I'm sort of curious about, um, did you and Lindsay get to talk much about her relationship with Raven? Cause that's the other person that she seems to have had, mm. have formed like a particularly oh, yeah. tight bond with. For sure. Those two, because I mean, right at the end of season four, um, you see, uh, Amori opening up with Raven, trying to save Raven with the oxygen, mm-hmm. like sharing. And, um, I mean, I think this has already been at play from when they were going to sacrifice Amori, uh, to test the night blood solution. And Raven was pretty resistant to it. She was having a yeah. hard time with it. Like, Amori registered that she, she, she logs yeah. stuff. She's very observant. So yeah, she, she remembers who was cool with that and who was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she remembers, <laughs> right? Just like she remembers that Clark was gonna was all gung fo co for it, but then also Clark didn't follow through with it. So she yeah. she yeah. she remembers it all, and and I think that she also has a, a massive respect for Raven. Um, mm-hmm. I know I've said this in other interviews, but 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 like Raven is like what Raven is capable of doing, I think just blows Amori's mind. And she saw that with the drones when mm-hmm. they're being gunned down by these flying saucers in the sky and Raven is able to just shut them all down with her brain. And like, yeah. I don't know, like a, like a bobby pin or something, right? <laughs> she just diverts her way into, into saving everyone with technology all the time. Um, so I think she just had mad respect for, for Raven yeah. and, uh, and, and I mean, the w- space is an incredible adventure for her. It's like the, the new frontier. She's just, she, and for someone who has pr- traveled everywhere trying to survive, this is something so new and foreign and exciting. Um, and I don't think she's afraid, ever really been afraid of new places. Like, like there's been a little, there's more an excitement, I guess I would say. Yeah, so that's why yeah. going into space, she's already like, oh man, how do I, like let, let I'm making the most of this. This is really yeah. this is awesome. So <laughs> yeah, um, which is so cool. You know, that's like something that I think is just like a, such a cool aspect of memory that she that she like sort of meets these new things with like this is awesome new experience that I'm going to like dive right into rather than having that sort of nervousness. Which yeah. is like, I, I tend to be more cautious and nervous, yeah. so I like I really admire that about memory. <laughs> yeah, she's there's a real fearlessness uh, whenever she feels a safe basically yeah this has been yeah. really cool about this season I've, I've been able to find out who she is without uh all of the pain and all of the um sort of uh restrictions that have been imposed on her throughout her mm-hmm. life that have been preventing her from uh developing in 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 ways that maybe she might want to now she's safe she has access she has she's accepted she has mm-hmm. community uh she gets to see 
what kind of person she really can become. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, she has a kind of like secure base of yeah. relationships that makes it yeah. possible to sort of, you know, be a little bit more daring. One of the things I wondered before I got the scripts for, for season five was whether she was able to overcome her um, suspicion and her defensiveness, because there was a part of me that could see her not being able to overcome it, like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it would be too ingrained in her, her suspicion and her all of that, uh, mm-hmm. and that that would cause problems up on the ring there. Um, but I'm really glad to see that that's not the way it went. I'm really glad yeah. for her. Yeah, me too. Yeah. She's let go of a lot of pain. And it's such a nice, it's such a nice, um, thing to see, I think, because, you know, we all want to be better and we're not necessarily always aware of the things or the behaviors that we do or the, maybe the, the mental, um, ways of thinking that we, the cycles of thinking that we get stuck into. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of that that is somewhat within our control. We're just not aware that we're choosing to think in a certain way or, yeah. mm-hmm. consistently act in a certain way. It's just sort of like, it becomes behavioral. We don't think about it. Um, So it's, it's so nice to see someone really overcome a lot of these things that were not bringing her happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be, to be better. And to see her triumph too. Like it, like that moment where, where she, where she lands the rocket and, you know, I'm like looking over at Bellamy, it's like, we didn't die. And he's like, no, we didn't. And they had like in that smile. And it's just like, I mean, it's just like a cheerworthy moment because it's like, because you know, you know, that's like, she gets how important it is. And you see all the history of, you know, of her, like her training with Raven. This is like the moment that she's trained for, but it's also so scary. And then John kind of like poking at her and poking at her and those wounds still being so raw, you know, and, and the sort of like all that kind of like self doubt sort of threatening to return. But then like she does it and it's just like, it's so, it's so wonderful and delightful just to get to see her have like a moment of triumph like that, like to know like when, when the chips were down and it was like the most important moment of her life that she totally fucking nailed it. I was like, yes, I'm so yeah. happy for her. I know. We're so proud. These six years were like leading up to this moment. Yes. Yes. And she Everything brought them back to her. earth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in a way Raven did too. Yeah. Cause yeah. Raven mm-hmm. had foresight to train Amori. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing that, she ensured that, they got back to the ground. So Raven was able to do the thing that she had been wanting to do for six years. And Amori was able to do the thing that she had unknowingly been training for as well. And um, I know it was such a beautiful moment between those, yeah. those two in particular, just cause that's what they showed there. Uh, <laughs> it's just <laughs> like all these great little times where you can see the camaraderie and how, yeah. how, how much of a family these people actually are. Yeah. And someone, I think it might've actually been before the season made a joke about, is Amori, if, if she's been working with Raven, is Amori Raven light now? <laughs> <laughs> Which she kind of, kind of is. She's like the diet Raven. <laughs> like no one can ever be ra- full Raven, but she's yeah, diet. Yeah. Raven in training. Yeah. <laughs> right. Raven in training. Yeah, exactly. Apprentice Raven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just so cool, like just to, you know, and I, I know we didn't, you know, we didn't get, 
to sort of linger there for a really long time before the plot kind of like takes off racing. But just, just to have those little moments of Amori getting to have women friends was so awesome. You know, oh, yeah. like, like that must have been like a really, like a really fun new thing for you to get to play with. Cause there wasn't, <laughs> aside from Allie, there hasn't been much of that for Amori in the past couple seasons. Oh, I know. Exactly. If you can call Allie a, a right. I mean, woman, right? <laughs> yeah, like right. that's exactly. There's the extent of her. Yeah. <laughs> Of her girlfriend posse, with, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not a great example. Um, I know, that, that was one of the things I was most excited for for this season, was just to see. I wanted her to have girlfriends. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, friends <laughs> that are girls. What? This is amazing. It goes to show, like, I, I've said this before, too, but, like, the, the first real interaction she has with another female on the show is with Clark. Uh when she, when, when they're at the lab, at Becca's lab and they're working on the night blood solution and you see, she engages in, in all of that stuff with Clark with suspicion and, mm-hmm. uh, protection and defensiveness and complete manipulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, someone who does not know how to have friends. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, yeah. she yeah. has no idea what that word even means. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. that, that's, that's what we've seen from her. So to see her go <laughs> from that to, to having like legitimate, honest, amazing friends that she trusts, counts on, they can trust her a hundred million percent. Yeah. It's just so lovely. I just love her so happy. It is so, wonderful. So happy for her. <laughs> <laughs> that twist with Clark and, uh, Bayless. Yeah, that was the best twist. Yeah, oh my God. I gasped. That was me amazing. too. Yeah, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. I didn't no. see that one coming when I read it in the script. My jaw dropped at the end. I, I could, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, was yeah. My challenging end. was that challenging to play. You know, to have to sort of like be able to play those sort of levels. Um, was, yeah, I mean, it was it was just a little challenging to uh, figure out how much do I. Sh- reveal i think yeah throughout mm-hmm. um because you don't like if i reveal too much early on then it, it's but it's not clear why it can get confusing for people and um yeah so I, I think i just had to kind of figure out how to play that um yeah but this is the the second like i've i did an arc on an on another show called motive it was this really great canadian show and i played a character that for the entire season was um, concealing a complete ulterior motive to everything. So I kind of had, I was lucky mm. enough that I had some time mm. to work out how to do that. I was yeah, able yeah. to, yeah, because it's, it's a really different thing when you're trying to figure out how much do I reveal and how much do I not? Because it's, yeah, it, what's yeah. important is not necessarily maybe what's the most truthful, but what what's the story the audience needs to see for this to be communicated in the right way. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's tricky it's because, like you said, you don't want to like, you don't want to give too much away or act too suspicious too early. Yeah. But on the other hand, you also don't want to make it seem like you just completely switched and became a different person at the end, mm-hmm. you know, because that kind of cheapens the twist. So, like, how do you? Right. How do you balance that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. She's a good actress. My Maury, she's a good mm, actress. Yeah, she is. <laughs> yep. She fooled John, which in that moment, which was pretty interesting to see. I was like, oh, even he did not know. <laughs> I know. Damn. That's a little scary, hey? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was into it, though. He was like, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, I know. he's the kind of guy that would be like, that's pretty hot. <laughs> yep. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. 
And Amori deep down is going like, that's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. She's, she's like, yeah, you love it. No. Uh, <laughs> you love it. That's, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. I think that she didn't see other people as people. I think yeah. she saw them as, it's sort of like that really intense uh, victim mentality where she's been so... Uh, she struggled so much and had so many terrible things done to her her whole life, which she has been. She has been very victimized that she is no longer capable of like, like she, there's this sort of her, her morality has been just has sort of disappeared if she even ever had it. Like where she she no matter what, she, there's nothing she could do that would be bad, I think, in her mind, because so mm. much terrible, so many terrible things have been done to her. Um, she's justified in 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 everything she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's taken um, these six years with uh, all of Dawn's people to realize, oh, wait a minute, like they were people too. Like all of these people that I say stole from or murdered or whatever horrible things she did to survive, like those are people. So I feel like she's probably had to do some soul searching as she has understood and adopted uh, morality. Yeah. Uh, and she's had to deal with, I'm sure, a certain level of guilt. I um, mean, in that sense, she's, you know, she's up there with a lot of great people to deal with that stuff with because every single person has done things, mm-hmm. you know, that they, that they regret, that they felt at the time were justified. necessary yeah. or justified. It might have actually been necessary or justified, but still, you know, like everyone on that ring is carrying the guilt of, of course, killing and manipulating and so forth. So, you know, so in that sense, like she's found... She's kind of found her people in terms of like no one's going to judge her, you know. No one's gonna get, is gonna be up on their high horse about that. Yeah, <laughs> right. no one is gonna no, be like, no, "Emory's absolutely. the worst person out of all of us." Yeah, everyone's like, right. "Yeah, yeah welcome to the I club." Mean, like, yeah, <laughs> she's with good company as far as dealing with these feelings. Exactly. Like, oh, I remember back. When I killed 300 grounders, that was yeah. tough. Yeah. Don't worry, you'll get through it, more. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They, yeah, they, they'll help her out. They'll help her out. <laughs> they could all sit around having contests about, no, I'm the worst because I, oh, I know. No, I'm the worst because I did this. They have weekly self-forgiveness and stuff. Yeah. Yes. All right. I can what imagine. Is the, what are the things that you're having trouble letting go with this week? <laughs> Yep, we're all hold well, hands Harper, at the end. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. Take a deep uh, breath, yeah. and then when we let out the breath, you're going to let that go. Yeah. And then at the end, we all have an, an extra scoop of algae. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that Amori and Monty became friends too, even though we didn't haven't yeah. like seen anything. Because I, I, I'm imagining that. Uh, especially from that first episode where it's between Monty and Amori to do the space walk. Oh, the little shotgun thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like we've obviously been working together um, pretty closely. And I feel like, especially when maybe things started to go south with John at Mm. whatever point that happened, I feel like Amori would have started to really reach out and talk to uh, the others about, like, how do I – what I do here and, and with yeah. Harper and Monty being the only two uh, at the time that we knew up there in a like in a successful relationship like it took yeah Bella and echo a while um, for that to happen uh, like it could be that she especially because of how long they both have known John Murphy like she right. I was gonna yeah. say because they're also they're you know they were they 
came down on the dropship with him, they know him as long as anyone yeah, has. Like, yeah. I mean, these are the people, it's like when you meet your significant others, like they're, they're elementary school friends. Right. Yeah, like exactly. Forever. And you're All like, that oh, context. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah. So much more context. Yeah. Like, um, so I think there's probably, they probably had a lot of late night conversations and mm-hmm. she's cried and Amori <laughs> gave her a, I mean, Harper gave her a hug and, you know, <laughs> there's probably been a lot of that. And you know, friends who listen to you when you rant and get angry and like, yes, yep. okay, Mar- yes, yes, I know it's tough. Okay. We get it. We've said this a million times. Like, maybe you should just do something about it. <laughs> maybe you should just break up with him. Maybe yeah. time. <laughs> that or maybe you're overreacting. Something here has got to give. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I think one thing that I just find really lovely about about the the kind of subtext of that storyline and and how you know how all those characters have landed six years forward is that like one kind of thread running through it is the importance for all of them in like how important friends are. You know, like how important it is to have like a network and a community of a bunch of people that you feel emotionally safe with, you know, and, and seeing how, how everyone who has been through all of this shit. And at the end of season four, these people were like at their breaking point, you know, like Harper, you know, like almost killing herself and you know, like everyone all and you know, and Lynn and, uh, Raven almost killing herself, like all of that, that sort of dark place everybody was in. And then when we meet them now, you know, like I think it, it shorthands really nicely, you know, without having to go into hours and hours of flashbacks to kind of build that, like just how important it is psychologically and emotionally for, for healing to have a community like that. And that Murphy being the one who sort of self selects out of that community, you know, like, doesn't have that same kind of sense of stability that like Imori and Echo and, you know, Raven and Harper and all these people that we have seen really struggling, you know, really isolated in the past. Now it's like they're grounded and they're centered in a different way. And I just think that's a really like that message is, I think, so lovely. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's no surprise that John Murphy's struggling so much because uh, it's, you're right. It's such a, like a psychological thing and you don't necessarily realize how, it's say if you you haven't seen people for a long time for whatever whatever reason you you've been isolated you don't realize the ways that's affecting you mm-hmm. uh, at a deep level like we are social creatures <laughs> well, we yep. need to have a community and and again that's that's like another difficult thing sometimes of say if you're living in a big city uh that you just moved to and you don't have a group of friends um that you can see uh, hopefully you have people you can talk to on the phone and and things like that that's that makes a big difference. But if you spend too much time without talking to your friends on the phone and not um, having a community around you, but seeing all these people around you all the time, but none that you're connected to, it's right. Really, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, it, you just feel like you're adrift in this ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, and that you're right. So it's such a healing, healing, healing thing. Having, having people, I mean, that, that's the thing the show really like, uh, delves really deep into as we see through the seasons is the idea of my people and your people mm-hmm. and our people and, mm-hmm. and as allegiances and shift and, uh, uh, and, and we, we go, we try to save everyone. No, we go back to the group, like, like the, the, the constant flux that it's in for everyone. Um, but the, the one through line is that everyone wants a person and a people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. In whatever way that that looks like. Um, that's why I guess that's a really big, 
that's a difficult thing. I mean, I have, again, no idea what the answer is to any of this, but the global, <laughs> like globalism um, is, is sort of the opposite of that. It's like we, the idea of the whole world as one uh, goes against the idea of sort of this, the, the family and the community and the tribe, like it's, it's the global community. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, it's just, it's really interesting the way the world is going. And there's a lot of wonderful things that can come out of that, but I think it's important to pay attention to, to the, the complications too, which is, again, it's a great thing. Like this is a, a fun, sexy sci-fi show, but we're talking about really, really, well, I shouldn't say we, it's not me. It's Jason. <laughs> like they're, they're discussing really complex, difficult mm-hmm. questions and you yeah, get sure. tricked into thinking about it because it's a fun sci-fi show that you don't really have to apply to yourself and in your life. It's not like, like sometimes if you watch a show that's, that's set in the present day and it's political and it's rooted pretty deeply in reality, like it, that can be a little difficult to watch sometimes, but this is just fun. It's fun sci-fi, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. not really. It tricks yeah. you right. where you know it. You're <laughs> debating whether humans are good or bad or like what, what, what if, if there's a meaning to life, if there's, yeah. it, what our purpose is, what, like you, you know, you're debating these these really deep things and um but we trick you yeah one thing that i love about this show that i think that you know particularly this season so far has done a, a, is sort of developing but i think the whole show has too is is that you know it doesn't oversimplify either the kind of the the beautiful side and the dark side of things yeah. like community and love you know like Love is an important, wonderful, amazing thing, and everybody needs it. But love can also lead you to do really, really dark, terrible things. Yes, that's um, so true. That's and so same, true. same thing with community. Like you know, like you're saying, we were saying, like having a community, having a, a group that you're a part of, is so like fundamentally, I think, important to us as you know, in our like in our human species lizard brain. You know, like this is something that we need, and it's so emotionally important. But it also makes you capable of doing things like killing hundreds of people and not thinking about them as people, you know? So like, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that the show does a really, really good job of not, not picking one side of the, or the other, just kind of like living in that really uncomfortable, ambivalent middle space and making you really confront the fact like both of these things are true at the same time. And yeah. they're true in your life at the same time, you know, in our world at the same time. And like, so just like sit there with that. <laughs> you know that with that sort of moral impasse for a while and like feel it's, it yeah it's it's definitely humbling and i think it leads to more of an understanding of of other people oh like yeah all these the, you just you can if you understand these qualms these these this all these gray areas in ourselves suddenly the black and the white of other people seem more gray too yeah it's like a lot you know you kind of get to a point where it's like okay i have the when you recognize like I have the the capacity to do great things and terrible things too, then it's a lot harder to judge other people harshly. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and the thing is you never really know how you're going to yeah. behave in a terrible, in any of the many situations say like that people are put in on this show, but you never right. really know what you, what you would do in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sure. it's so easy to, to make a judgment call uh, yeah. when you're not actually confronted with it, when it's not your, loved ones on the line. Right. Um, or your life on the line. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like we all know, like, well, I think of myself as the kind of person who would respond like this or do this, but then like when you're up against it, it's like, would you really though? Like in that moment, you know, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's probably a part of our brain that doesn't even want to allow us to imagine going there. Oh, absolutely. Because it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty traumatic place. I think to be, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you saw that we saw that even last in the last episode, you know, when Kane is like trying his best, and he's in the fighting pit and he's trying his best not to kill anyone. And he gets to the end, you know, and he's sort of faced with, like he gets cut and he's faced with his own death and he turns mm-hmm. around and he slaughters someone. And you can see the trauma of like, of having done that. And I think it's sort of, and, you know, Ian is amazing, of course, um, sort of conveying the sense of like the trauma is both having killed someone and also having to confront the fact that like he didn't want to do it, but it didn't matter. That person who was right. able to do that is inside of him, you know, and there's a trauma to to realizing that there's a person inside of you who's capable of doing that. Yeah, I um, really, really enjoyed him and, and Abby's. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Stuff this season so far. Yeah. My I mean, God. yeah, Ugh. it's amazing so far. And there is, we haven't even gotten that far into it. I'm yeah, like, we're just scratching the surface. So yeah. excited yeah. to see where it goes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, and even seeing Octavia, right? Like seeing yeah. in, in episode two, like her, her journey. Uh, mm-hmm. of Gettys. Like it just, mm-hmm. again, it's like, it just go, uh, it goes to show like how, how deep we can go with the best of intentions. And sometimes yeah. maybe like that place that we actually do need to go in that moment, but, or do you, I don't know. There's mm-hmm. the big debate. Right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Life easy stuff. answers. <laughs> yeah. There are no easy answers. Life is very difficult, but maybe that's part of the whole journey, right? Like, yeah, I think so. I think you so. know, and you do your best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If if the idea of the enlightenment and all that is is real, then maybe once you've got it all figured out, it's like you know what? Come on home. You're good to go. You yeah. figured it out. Exactly. So if you're not in a rush to get there. Then don't worry. Enjoy the things you can't figure out. <laughs> this is why, what like in Buddhism, right? There's only like a handful of people who have actually achieved enlightenment because it's fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the journey. The longer it takes you to figure it out, the longer you got. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, so well, see, life is suffering. That's life true. Is that's the moral of the story. Right. That's <laughs> but in the most cheerful possible way, you know, of like course. life is suffering, but like in an upbeat way. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's not as scary as, as we think. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with us. This, this was is so, so much fun. fun. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's we been great. Huge fans. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I make sure to you guys. I just started listening to your podcast tonight. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many to go through. Um, they're so they're so great. They're so oh, thank great. You. Thank you. Also, I yeah. love podcasts. By the way, Huge oh well, and in general, we have got you all of our. <laughs> I don't think our podcasts are ever shorter than like two and a half hours. So we have got you covered for a long, long yeah. time. <laughs> but, <laughs> wonderful. I need stuff to do while I'm running, right? It's perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Exactly. Perfect. Happy to help. <laughs> Thank, uh, thanks so much, ladies. Thanks, Louisa. Yes, thank you so much. Have a great day. Enjoy. Yeah, you too. Enjoy the rest of season five. Yes. Oh, we're we so will. excited. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's lots of cool stuff coming. Obviously. Oh, yes. Can't wait. Yeah. Obviously. Right. Okay. All, All right. the best. Bye. 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 Bye.